0: SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Night talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. War can be traumatic, incredibly traumatic. So can many other things: unemployment, poverty, and oftentimes the impact of that trauma is a collective trauma, um, individualized but also collective. As a people, when you experience collective trauma what does rebuilding look like how do you how do you one do you even define collective trauma um as as that is ptsd something that is collective or is it always only ever individualized but if we can establish that as a community as a people as a collective as a country as a nation um our psyche the, the security of our psyche has been completely completely uh, undermined and ripped apart how do we rebuild it that's the conversation I want to have this evening. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for joining me. Zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. That is the number to dial if you want to be a part of this conversation. Zero six one four one zero four one zero seven is the WhatsApp line where you can send us your WhatsApp voice notes in reaction to this conversation um, and i'm also receiving your tweets it is at oliver underscore speaking on twitter oliver dixon on facebook joining me for this conversation is professor seth cooper the president of the pan african psychology union uh, and a former political prisoner uh, prof cooper good evening thank you so much for your time welcome back to night talk thank you uh oliver and good evening to everyone collective trauma is it a thing or is it merely something that we can theoretically think about, but trauma being individual in the experience of the most part, can it ever be collective?
1: Yes, I think it definitely can. I don't think the studies previously have dealt with this, but in this century, there definitely has been serious work done, uh, particularly in situations where there is intergenerational transmission of trauma, where there has been genocidal and other uh, such mass uh, attacks, killings, murder, uh, destruction of uh, people's homes, habitats, uh, livelihoods, their neighbourhoods, and that definitely does have resonance for us. Uh, speaking as somebody who's been in the thick of it, uh, I mean from my teens, and having uh, studied this, uh, having done a post uh, uh, well doctoral and postdoctoral work on it. What we have, if we refer, and I I, I just caught part of your introduction, what we have in this country is a troubled psyche, the psyche of our country. Uh, I'm loath to use the word nation, because really, Oliver, you know, we are a motley group of uh, warring languages and uh, ethnicities, and all sorts of other little uh, groupings and categorizations. And heaven knows, the othering that happened throughout the colonial uh, epoch into uh, the period uh, when South Africa was formed in 1910 the legisl the legislations calling us all sorts of names yeah from native through to uh or you know in, uh, we then have now in our statute book what uh, uh, was an apartheid glorification and those are the four uh, groups that uh, you have to fill in when you do a census for instance yes. and and heaven knows uh, in so-called coloured, we've had what seven categorizations. So, effectively, from colonial conquest through different types of resistance, through the uh, the periods that I'm talking about, until until the apartheid uh, crime against humanity. Uh, people have definitely been traumatized. Let me give you one weird and ironic example. Um, in the TRC, there was no direct testimony sought from any psychologist or helping professional for any of the victims, but there was testimony uh gotten from uh, a psychiatrist i know definitely and a couple of psychologists for those who uh, who perpetuated the horrors on the persons who appeared before the trc and testified and i recall i i actually chaired this the Professional Board for Psychology at the Health Professions Council at the time. And we charged one of the psychologists for actually presenting uh, expert um, evidence through uh, an affidavit saying she had examined uh, uh, perpetrator Cooper and yeah he was so traumatized when he was beating the hell out of oliver dixon that he suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder
0: that doesn't okay. even and... seem like actual real <coughs> science that can't possibly of be course used. it's
1: not of course it's not the woman who 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 proffered that expertise quickly coptifying she quick she quickly uh, you know, the fines were just being introduced at that time. She quickly pled guilty, and because she pled guilty, there was no hearing. Uh, the matter was settled in a committee. Uh, but she so, was, so so, what what did what uh, she did she
0: struck, what was the pleading guilty to what medical negligence? Uh, guilty,
1: guilty to the fact that she was uh, not giving scientific uh, evidence, and she agreed with. Uh, The charge okay, so she was found guilty and she was given some kind of sentence and I forgot what that is now But it 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 now there was no testimony led on behalf of the thousands of victims both black and white and remember the uh, Compulsory military conscription that white uh, uh, Teenagers Once they hit the age of 18 and did not go, uh, did not show cause that their military conscription should be deferred because they were going to university or whatever, whatever. And they were compulsorily conscripted for uh, two years. Now, a few thousand of them also raised the issue of their abuse by uh, helping professionals. Indeed, uh, one of the psychiatrists, he was was the superintendent of Tara Psychiatric Hospital, was named as having abused them in all sorts of ways, and he tried to do certain kinds of so-called regressive corrective therapies with persons he felt who were odd or showed certain uh, maybe homosexual tendencies ironically this guy fled to canada and he was convicted in canada aubrey levine dr yeah. aubrey Levine, he was convicted in canada of abusing patients men and when he played, he said, "Well, he wasn't se- uh, doing anything sexual when he was uh, dealing with their uh, uh, p- uh, penises. Yeah. He was stimu- showing them how to st- get, uh, to to stimulate an uh, an erection, kind of thing. My so goodness. you see, there's that weirdness." Yeah. And it's mixed with all uh, sorts of othering and abuse. And we don't appreciate that we are a traumatized people. If I can use, again, that collective word, people. We're a traumatized people.
0: Can I just ask specifically about the collective now? And I think you and Mm -hmm. I are using it in a very... But, but it it's 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 its definition the roots of its definition is found at least i would say at this po- moment in the politics of the epoch of the moment whether it's pre-colonial or post-colonial right but yeah. is there in the science in, in in the practice any sort of praxis that supports that or that enables a professional to issue out a collective prognosis or a collective uh, uh diagnosis of trauma for a People collectively? Or is, is 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 it merely something that you and I can pontificate about in, in a theoretical sense about the politics of the day, rather than, uh, you know, the actual medical science? Because a diagnosis oh, okay. is a very personal, technical sure, thing, right? Sure, sure,
1: sure. Look, it, uh, there is. Work has been done in different places, and I'll use the US. Work has been done in the US by leading uh, medical scientists showing that Africans in America suffer from a particular kind of impacts post slavery yeah and they being shunted to particular ghettos being treated in particular ways being excluded being othered results in certain kinds of somatic physical illnesses there's old research done in the 1970s that says that one in two of persons who present in clinics in doctors rooms and so on have a non-somatic on or non-physical basis to their presenting problems so if Oliver comes to me and says I suffer from let's let's take the obvious one I suffer from Um, irritable bowel syndrome, I suffer from, uh, worse still, um, constant diarrhea and, and so on. And every test under the sun has been done. And you still have that. And you exclude psychological factors from presenting problems and you give oliver at some medication which may work in the uh, short term but you're going to use that medication you're going to get used to it and the symptoms will persist you know you're going for an interview and (laughs) let's just put you in this spot because it's me and you speaking and the others are listening. You're going to be interviewing for a senior position in radio or at the SABC. You know you're going to do everything possible preparing for that interview, but you're going to have butterflies in your stomach, right? Or
0: general that nervousness, from? that sort of stuff. General
1: nervousness, right. Now, when that so-called general nervousness is part of an ongoing psychic emergency that constant alertness and vigilance that and for those of us who have experienced apartheid you know what I'm talking about that if you walked on a particular street on a particular certain time you are likely to be at the kindest looked at terribly or sworn at. So, at worst, you'll be beaten up. So, so
0: even, all those things play a role. So collective trauma can also have a uh, somatic or physiological manifestations in ways that individual trauma uh, can have an effect. Yes. Okay, yes. we're going to pause there for and, now. And
1: also we can learn, we can le- I can learn from your symptoms and you can learn from somebody else's symptoms and we say, you know mine is somewhat similar but it's like this. yeah you know when we share we, you, you, you in a shabin and you're sharing experiences. you know somebody says, you know I, I didn't feel that but I felt this. Yeah. yeah. Now when it is a condition of emotion that we've had, uh, bottled up and there's one outlet for it and maybe that should be an opportunity is one all of us are going to be speaking at the same time I'm not going to be listening to you you're not going to be listening to your buddy around the corner and so on because we'll all be letting it out because the yeah. beer or whatever it is we're consuming is going to allow us that moment of uh, expiation if you like
0: yeah yeah We're going to have to pause it there for now and take a break. On the other side of this, we continue the conversation. I'm taking your reactions to this. Give me a call, 086-000-2032. I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. I'm in conversation with Dr. Sats Cooper. SAFM, leading the conversation. Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. Four minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for your time this evening. My name uh, is Oliver Dixon. I'm in conversation with Dr. Seth Cooper, and we're talking about collective trauma during times of persisting violence and a great deal of distress. It could be genocidal, could be apartheid, could be war. And I want to shift our attention for a little bit to Palestine and what's happening there, um, Dr. Cooper. If and when all of this comes to an end, you know, um, and the people of Palestine has, God willingly, an opportunity to, to rebuild, what does the psychological and the psychosocial rebuilding look like from a place of collective trauma? Oftentimes, when you go through a mental health crisis, the work is first individual before it is communal. Uh, you work on yourself, but if 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 our trauma is a collective one, it means that we collectively have to acknowledge it and collectively work uh, at 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 healing from it. Uh, in South Africa, I don't get the sense that we had that conversation and we were able to do that work. But if we were to think about it in the Palestinian context, what does such work look like?
1: Well, let me exp- uh, explain it this way. Can we ever make it better for victims of gross brutality? You know, in our country, we have a high rate of road accidents. And I know that there's a lot of practitioners out there who assess the psychosocial functioning and prognosis of the individuals impacted by very serious injuries uh, you know cognitively impacted and sometimes uh, bodily uh destroyed um now here we have an unremitting period of some 75 years where this has happened can we ever make it be- better for victims of the Holocaust? Can we ever get into the individual's frame of mind and experience the horror of what they went through? I dare say that in this country those of us who have seen amongst the worst brutalities committed to us Uh, You know, I I am uh, associated with uh, a dwindling group of ex-political prisoners. There are probably less than 700 of us left uh, from uh, 1995 when Madiba uh, invited over 1,700 of those who were still around. You know, there were more, but 1,700 managed to make it. So... We actually, you know, don't carry the burden of the torture and the gross human rights violations that were committed against us. But let me say, the persons who have experienced perhaps a week of detention sometimes carry more of it, and that's because they did not go through that camaraderie that sense of being one with your fellow uh, prisoner in maybe in solitary sometimes yeah, uh, oftentimes, but also uh, interacting like in Robin Island we interacted with each other. I was kept for most of my time in, so, so in a, even, cell, a single cell, but we had that camaraderie. So, so even just a sense
0: to. of community can itself mm-hmm. be a source of healing. It 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 can you 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 often don't have to say much
1: right but just being with that person and and understanding where they come from uh, immediately it is a sort of source of solace yeah versus pro- pro- those who
0: haven't yeah can I pause you there? I want us to, to 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 pause the conversation. We were meant to end here, but I do want us to carry it over just a little bit on the other side of this, because uh, sure. we are at the top of the hour. So I'm going to take two, right. I'm going to go to the news in a short while, and we'll continue the conversation on the other side of that. I'm taking your reactions. Give me a call: zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero. On the other side of this, we continue this conversation, but also start the open line. It is six minutes after 11 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with me this evening. I really do appreciate it. Before we went to the news there, just before the top of the hour... Um, I paused my conversation with Dr. Seth Cooper um, to, to, so we, we can you know, give it a, a proper cadence on the other side of the news. It's, it's unusual that we carry conversations over into the next hour, but I think this is critically important. We were talking about collective trauma and what the healing journey looks like. Um, Professor Cooper profited there that uh, a sense of camaraderie and community itself can be a source of healing, so much so that people that experience trauma outside of the collective, albeit far less, can often struggle to overcome and heal from it a lot more than those who could have potentially experienced a lot more trauma in a calculable sense, but have a community with which they experience a trauma and are able to just sit through it all with. Um, And that, that sense of community itself can be comforting, perhaps, and here I'm editorializing, comforting or perhaps even healing. Prof Cooper, so uh, I want us to take it, pick it up from there. So you have the sense of community, and let's talk about the people of Palestine, that they are collectively experiencing this with the whole world looking on to it. Um, and at some point, the eyes of the world goes away, and it focuses on something else. But the persisting violence and the tr- trauma of a post-violent society is still there, left to be dealt with. Um, and could potentially feel a little bit colder than usual. What more there needs to be done just what more than just merely being part of the community needs to be done for the healing work to start?
1: Need mature leadership. You need leadership at all levels uh, in order that this kind of wanton uh, destruction of life. And remember, uh, you know, at least 41% of the dead, our children yeah and you know when you and you you go on a, a, a an intended campaign to bomb and uh, destroy schools uh, creches uh, refugee camps where kids are it says something about the people who do that I don't care on which side they are it, it really says something that they have lost their sense of humanity so you need people with that sense of humanity to be able to deal with this profound psychological and physical dislocation that we're seeing uh, live on social media on our screens uh, thankfully not as much on the Uh, radio waves but we're getting reports of them uh, that really are unbelievable because you don't expect people who claim to have been through uh, uh, the kinds of things that we know historically uh, their forebears went through Mm. to do the same kind of thing to anybody else and worse and while the world watches and very few are
0: saying stop don't do it this question might be incredibly rudimentary but when you say mature leadership can you define it
1: okay uh on the on the uh, uh, news on the hour we heard the south african council of churches general secretary bishop malusim and Here's a man of the cloth who's speaking from the heart, who's been through the worst of apartheid, and has appealed for some other way forward. Now, that's one uh, sign of a mature leadership. We've see, we've heard the United Nations Secretary uh, General. Uh, Issue the statements he has and today said Gaza is a graveyard of children.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, or for children. Okay. Now that is not untrue. It is very true. And if we don't we don't have that ability to actually empathize, we may not be able to do much, but if we cannot empathize with just that sheer loss of lives and children, then it says something about our own claim to being human, you know. Um, And so you need more leaders who are not hell-bent on what uh, President Eisenhower, he was the major victor for the Americans, uh, uh i think he was a four-star general and ended up probably being a five-star general. when he left office as a president he said beware the military industrial complex who benefits from war? yeah all this all these companies stock has has risen from the uh, after the 7th of october yeah they've shot up and those weapons of war I intended to do what intended to destroy people these are manufacturers of weapons of mass destruction in the third decade of the 21st century when so much information is available to us they cannot be that old style saying we must Defend ourselves against who, for what? If you can't t- t- uh, speak, you know, jaw, jaw is better than war, war. And uh, you know, the 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 statement given by the Archbishop, talking about the sense of hung, forcibly subjecting people to hunger, yeah, to dehydration, to lack of anything else i mean heaven knows how uh, the 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 people in gaza uh, managed to survive for this long can you imagine if we were subjected to that what you know how many of us would survive i mean it, it speaks really to that resilience of people you know that essential quintessential ability to survive and that ability to survive and when your children are there to survive you, and that is taken away from you, what does it leave people with? More anger, rancor, and uh, an endless scenario of raining bombs, bullets, and the bigotry that goes with it. Just the, you know, I'll never forget Bishop Manas Butelezi in 1983 saying to me, I cannot, as a Christian, say, accept my version of the Bible or I won't talk to you. Yeah. And most of these are around religion or some belief. And out of that comes a bigotry and an exceptionalism that tends to dehumanize the other. And we've experienced it, Oliver. We've experienced it here. And we know during COVID, it, there was a, a rabid resurgence of that. We have not gone through a, a process of healing. The TRC played a role and then everything went uh, pear-shaped. Yeah. We did not have leaders mature enough to recognize the immense intergenerational trauma and suffering and pain and that's why we can use slogans now to over as if it will overcome past hurt history and uh you know just this just this diminution of individuals and groups of people out there and that's what we're seeing unfortunately uh, tear itself out in Uh, in gaza and in other parts of that bantustanization of you know the the west bank and uh, other parts of occupied palestine so i think that the more we get uh, people of the cloth people who can stand up and say this cannot happen in our name and remember last week, at least, and before that, there were rabbis who were jailed for protesting uh, in, in the Capitol, outside the Capitol building, in buildings in yeah. Washington, DC. They said, "This is not Judaism as we know it. This is something else, that narrow bigotry that comes with being Zionist. You know, and uh, the irony is, we know the close ties
0: between apartheid South Africa and Israel then. Going back to the years 1990 to 1996, 7, perhaps even 1999, the sort of mature leadership that you're speaking about, was that present in the South African context? There was a concerted reconciliatory effort. And there's now, in hindsight, debate about whether that was successful or not, uh, whether it was genuine and sincere or not. But was that successful in, <clears throat> in the South African context? Did, did our leaders have the right heart and mind at the time and make the right decisions on the basis of that?
1: Look, I know that uh, they do get excoriated depending on who you listen to. But I, I, need, I, I come from a different tradition. Uh, from founding President Mandela, as well as his successor, uh, President uh, Merki. But I can say uh, that if you left the politics, the, the other uh, agendas out of it, they really did try to go for creating a reconciled nation. They failed, and sometimes they bent over blackwoods to do that.
0: Mm.
1: Remember that uh, President Mandela went and testified in court against that Saru president yeah. then. Right? And, and, and uh, if, if he didn't do that then, we wouldn't be celebrating the glory our box brought to us uh just over a week ago yeah you know so so you see it in 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 weird ways playing itself out but it's insufficient to create what the constitution of braided as one of the great constitutions uh talks about the social cohesion smaller countries like new zealand do more on social cohesion than we can ever in any single location and that is an indictment on us because I think after that visible greatness that was stamped by our founding uh, leadership we've had self-serving persons hell-bent on doing things for themselves claiming on behalf of the people, and I don't care at whatever level, from top to bottom, we are riddled with persons who seriously don't care, don't have the commitment, don't have the capacity to show a compassion and inclusiveness that this and other countries like like ours deserve. We deserve better than the collective leadership that we are afflicted yeah. by.
0: Prof. Cooper, we're gonna to have to leave it there. I, I once again just want to thank you for your work and your insights. It really has been an incredible and enlightening conversation. You take care and all the best to the listeners. Thank you so much. I'm taking your reactions to that, give me a call, 86 0 0-2032. It's the open line. What do you want to talk about? What is on your mind this evening? I'd love to hear from you.